Speed Cafe newscast. Your host, Mark Fogarty. Coming up, Gen 3 wind tunnel testing. Real or just hot air? Singapore slung by supercars isn't on Formula One agenda. Oscar Piastri, Japanese GP podium is just the start. All this and more straight ahead on Speed Cafe Newscast. Hi there, race fans. I'm Mark Fogarty, and here's what's happening. Supercars Gen 3 wind tunnel testing. Is it real or just hot air? Well, rumours at Sandown that it'll happen in America over our summer break now appear to have foundation. Sources confirmed that wind tunnel testing of the Camaro and Mustang to equalise their aerodynamics by all measures, not just in a straight line, has been discussed at the highest levels. No official decision yet, but we hear it's close. The Gen 3 prototypes would be shipped to the USA for their updated aero to be measured in a full-size rolling road wind tunnel. And that's crucial. You've got to have one of those to get the accurate measurements. Now, Supercars would utilise its contacts at NASCAR for access to an independent aero test facility most likely the Aerodyne Wind Tunnel in Mooresville, North Carolina. As Ford agitates for further parity adjustments before next week's Bathurst 1000, long-term aero equality requires much more sophisticated measurement than the antiquated VCAT measurements. Over to Speed Cafe, Supercars editor Daniel Herrero to explain how it'll happen. Yeah, I think the chat is broadly along the way that you've uh, outlined it. There'll be uh, two cars sent over to the United States in the off-season to do some wind tunnel testing in North America. Um, it's something that's not been done in supercars in the past, certainly under the uh, the remit of supercars itself. Um, it was investigated about, well, it was about four years ago when the uh, Gen 2 Mustang came on the scene and uh, we believe that supercars looked briefly at a facility in uh, in Melbourne at a university and concluded that it wasn't fit for for their purposes at the time. But uh, I think it's time now. They're just going to have to um, to bite the bullet on this one. It's now it's now too big of an issue, and aerodynamics is really uh, too too important a factor in the performance of a car that you you can't afford to. Um, to take them to a wind tunnel, of course, you can't, you know, develop around things anymore. The cars are otherwise so very similar aside from the engine. So uh, I think it's time. Clearly the traditional method of straight line running at a an airfield or such and this coast down measurement um, doesn't work probably hasn't worked for a long time this testing is going to have to be independent isn't it and we're hearing that supercars is leaning on their nascar contacts presumably to get access to the wind tunnel that they've used very heavily for the um what do they call them the latest gen 7 cup cars yeah that's right i mean 
you know, the uh, the VCAT process, as they call it, uh, vehicle control aerodynamic testing, uh, relies on a series of uh, straight line running and coast downs on an airfield somewhere. They most recently conducted some of that work at Tamora just before the start of the current season. You can tell us if the cars are paratized in a straight line, but um, obviously they don't just go in a straight line. So you're looking at things like there have been questions this year about your, we know that there was an issue identified with the Mustang in terms of it hemorrhaging downforce when it pitched because the, uh, the airflow underneath the rear wing would stall just because the angle got too steep for it. And hence those changes that rolled out in Townsville. So, um, you've got a wind tunnel you can do your sweeps you can also it's much easier to do ride height sweeps as well so you can ensure that you uh get the full uh, array of uh, ride height and rake combinations when you're trying to do your uh, aerodynamic testing so um certainly be far more comprehensive and hopefully will will give us the answers and we can put this to bed once and for all that chance of that in the short term as ford's parity discontinues leading up to the Bathurst 1000. As usual, no official word from supercars, and Speed Cafe's Daniel Herrera wonders how meaningful changes will be implemented in time for the Bathurst 1000. Yeah, they are. So they want they want to uh, the shift the uh, aero balance, and uh, they want it done pretty urgently. I've... It's going to be very tricky to do because you you think about it, we're, we're talking on Monday now, you know, next week trucks are on their way or getting packed up to be dispatched to Mount Panorama. Um, so time is of the essence and this would just be another change that they've got to try and get their heads around before the biggest race of the year. So it's, it's, a, it's a real gamble. And the other thing is that um, given that they haven't hit the parity trigger yet, that this has got to be approved at board level because to uh, to make an adjustment now would be um, would be discretionary. The, the parity trigger is based on uh, lap time comparisons over five straight races or five out of eight. We haven't had that many um, since the last change took effect at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park. So that would require... A pretty big decision and uh, it's an interesting push trying to make changes right now. Gen 3 parity is an expensive mess that's costing supercars many millions of dollars to fix. Transient dynamometer engine testing is still in the works. In fact, we're now hearing the sole local transient dyno can't in fact be adapted. So more expense for independent tests of the 5.4 litre Ford Coyote and 5.7 litre Chevrolet LTR V8s in America to absolutely equalise engine performance. A transient dyno measures engine performance across the whole rev range, replicating racetrack response. Torque sensors, another engine equalisation measure, are also delayed. Still on supercars, next year's calendar is slowly falling into place. But the promise of its release before or at the Bathurst 1000 is looking doubtful. As we predicted last week, New Zealand's return at Topor is April 19 to 21. Still to be confirmed, the Newcastle 500 
and the Australian Grand Prix, which, as we revealed last week, will be a much reduced appearance at Albert Park. Back to Speed Cafe's Daniel Herrero with the latest on the calendar. Uh, the calendar rests on Newcastle at the moment, so I know that uh, stakeholders, including the teams, are, are quite frustrated that they've not seen anything. I know that they had the teams were briefed. They had a meeting the week before last, but no draft calendar was uh, distributed to them. Though there have been lots of drafts flying around in Supercar's office, I understand. But yeah, it, it rests on Newcastle. So that one's with the council now. So it sounds like that if that goes ahead, that would be a one-year deal, which is not unusual given that it's a, a newly elected state government just after this year's Newcastle event. But that's a three-way agreement between Supercars, Destination New South Wales, which is the state government, and then that Newcastle City Council. So we're gonna we need a, a decision from the latter and then everything can be locked in. So there's a, a rough framework. Um, we expect that it'll probably be 13 events, which would be the incumbent 12 plus uh, plus Topor, although that much is not set in stone either. But 13 is probably the number, assuming that Newcastle gets the tick, which is more likely than not. But uh, we need them to make a call up there in the Hunter. And so the calendar conundrum continues. More after this short break. Race Fuels is Australia's leading supplier of racing fuels. And with the new Bowsers at Queensland Raceway, it's never been easier to source your racing fuel trackside. Elf Race 102 is imported racing fuel direct from Europe. Offering power and protection, the Elf Race 102 is a popular fuel with racers seeking gains over pump fuel. Improve your lap times with Elf Race 102. www.racefuels.com.au All your fuel at the racetrack. You're listening to the Speed Cafe Newscast. Welcome back. There's been a lot of noise about supercars reviving its overseas ambitions with racing on the Formula One Singapore Grand Prix support card at the top of the list. But as Speed Cafe has revealed, well, there's absolutely no interest from the Singapore Grand Prix organisers. Speed Cafe Formula One editor Matt Koch did a deep dig into supercars joining the Singapore Grand Prix support race program. And as he explains, well, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, there seem to be three players in this story. The Singapore Grand Prix organisers or the promoters there. Formula One itself, a commercial rights holder of the sport, and, and supercars. And the only party that seems to be talking about supercars racing in Singapore is supercars. Uh, the common consensus that I got from those in the, the Singapore promoters was that they just want this story to go away. They've got no interest. There's no conversation or dialogue ongoing. That's not to say there hasn't been conversation, but there isn't any now uh, to the point where they suggested that if you keep hearing this now, then maybe the conversation is happening with Formula One rather than Singapore. That's that's the level at which they've got no visibility of this from that side of things. Talking to Formula One, they've got no visibility of this either. They've got a team that is dedicated to 
basically dealing with promoters and, and other possibilities uh, for, for support categories. Think of you know, Porsche Super Cup and those sorts of things. And even that team has no knowledge of anything happening with supercars. So it seems as though Barclay Netherfold and race and supercars are doing a lot of talking, but there's no substance there. It is curious because, as you say, supercars publicly and certainly privately have been talking up this possibility, you know, supercars management and teams um, talk about it freely that um, it's on the cards, uh, certainly no longer for next year, but in the future. Um, it's curious, to say the least. It really is. and that confusion permeates out into team land and into those who have a deep understanding of the way supercars would have a deep understanding of how international motorsport work uh, you know people are having the wool pulled over their eyes a little bit but nothing that i've found can substantiate anything that, that's going on the bottom line of Formula One events, of course, is big, big dollars. And Matt Koch asserts that it's fanciful that supercars would be paid to race anywhere outside the Australian Grand Prix. Certainly that model doesn't work in Singapore. Now, there might be other events globally where that, that does work. Uh, there have been talks of Saudi Arabia that, that I have heard how current that is. I've not had a chance to delve into just yet but that's an avenue that supercars has explored previously and, and that didn't work um there wasn't much appetite back then for teams to go over there but this is sort of formula one level there's no interest and in no conversations at a singapore race promoter level there's, there's no interest that's not to say there aren't other promoters out there who are interested you know the circuit of the americas keeps cropping up las vegas has been flagged that i've heard as well um this isn't a closed door to Formula One support bills, but it seems as though Singapore isn't an option. And of all those out there, Singapore is probably the simplest because it's on our doorstep. We've got a, a lot of Australians going to that event. So there's a little bit more relevance than if we were to race in, uh, in Saudi Arabia or in the US. The Saudi Arabia Grand Prix is run by former Supercars Chief Executive Martin Whittaker who introduced the Aussie V8s to the region when he was at the Bahrain International Circuit more than a decade ago. Aussie standout Oscar Piastri excelled at the Japanese Grand Prix. Started second alongside Max Verstappen on the front row and finished third behind McLaren teammate Lando Norris and inevitable winner Verstappen. Piastri is the first Australian to score a podium in his rookie F1 season, exceeding luminaries such as Jack Brabham, Alan Jones, Mark Webber and Daniel Ricciardo. Oscar's superlative performance at Suzuka, one of the most testing tracks in Formula One, come on the same weekend. He won a multi-year contract extension with McLaren. Returning to Speed Cafe Formula One editor Matt Koch, who says there's no doubt whatsoever that Piastri is a future Formula One superstar. 
Yeah, it's, it's huge news because this isn't McLaren exercising an option in Oscar's contract. This is McLaren being impressed enough to offer him an entirely new contract. So he's got the, the current deal that he's on that will see him through to the end of next year. And then the contract that's just been announced comes into force for year five and for 2026. So that's that's huge. I can't think of too many rookies who midway through their first season get offered a two-year extension on top of a contract they've already got that runs through the next season. Like this is it's pretty extraordinary. It speaks to the esteem in which McLaren holds Oscar. He's massively impressed the team there. Andreas Stella has worked with some some big names. Andreas Stella is the McLaren team principal. He's worked with Michael Schumacher, Fernando Alonso, those sorts of people. He knows what success looks like in Formula One. And he's seeing some early indications of that within Oscar, which is hugely encouraging for uh, for all of us in Australia, uh, particularly given that we'll have at least Oscar and Daniel on the uh, the grid next year. But this is the start of a journey that in a couple of years' time could be absolutely extraordinary. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, but the early signs of Oscar Piastri's career are exceptional. Meanwhile, it was also confirmed over the weekend that Daniel Ricciardo will continue alongside Yuki Tsunoda in the Red Bull junior team next year. Still sidelined by his broken wrist, Ricardo is expected to take his seat back from impressive Kiwi stand-in Liam Lawson before the end of the season. Aman Koch says Ricardo's reappointment is a clear sign that Sergio Perez is doomed. The end game here is absolutely the Red Bull senior team, and more specifically, ousting Sergio Perez from that drive in 2025. So Sergio Perez has a contract through next year. Beyond that, he's out of the drive, basically. And I think we can read into the announcement on Saturday as confirmation that Sergio Perez is out of Red Bull at the end of next season. I say that because not only do they have Daniel Ricardo under the contract for next year at AlphaTauri, but John Yuki Sonoda and Liam Lawson has been doing some some mighty things in his little cameo to the point where he can't be anywhere. It has to be considered for a race drive in 2025. So if, if Liam Lawson's going to be promoted, then Yuki Sonoda or Daniel Ricardo, one of them has to move on. The logical place is, is the senior team. Ricardo, from everything I've heard, has basically had his contract in place since he agreed to join AlphaTauri back following the British Grand Prix. Yuki Snowdes has only come about a little bit more recently, but even still, he was more or less locked in there. Ripple still has a relationship with Honda for now, so that's uh, that's not a little key piece of the puzzle. So it's interesting. This is Daniel Ricciardo putting himself in the shop window for the next 12 months to prove that he's good enough, or at very least, better than Yuki Tsunoda with an eye on Red Ricardo's future in Formula One depends on how he performs in 2024. Back soon. Speedcafe.com, your number one source for all the latest motorsport news and features. Breaking news, live event updates, unprecedented global motorsport coverage performance motoring news and reviews 
all in the palm of your hand, anywhere, anytime. Speedcafe.com. First, fast and free. You're listening to the Speed Cafe newscast. A big change for Australian GT racing is looming. Speed Cafe's Daniel Herrero has broken the news that local ownership of the GT category is once again changing hands. Yeah, GT World Challenge, it looks like there'll be some change there. It, for the past uh, few years, that's been a, a partnership between SRO and the Australian Racing Group. Now, obviously, there are some changes going on at the Australian Racing Group and they're uh, streamlining their operation. We've had all the chat about S5000, but it looks like there might be uh, a couple of other properties that they'll be um, that they'll be divesting themselves of. So we expect that there'll be uh, an announcement on that soon, if not by the time we uh, we go live with this podcast in terms of ARG selling out its uh, 50% share of what is more generically the uh, Australian GT Championship. Indications are that it would be uh, SRO that would take it over entirely that's not certain but that's the uh, that's the expectation that's the most likely outcome at the moment based on some inquiries that we have made so that'll bring uh, that'll bring Australian GT into the family with all sorts of other SRO properties of course Stefan Rattel is the kingpin of uh, GT3 racing uh, around the world it's SRO in partnership with supercars that uh, that has the Bathurst 12 hour. So obviously that's part of the Intercontinental GT Challenge, which continues next month at Indianapolis. So uh, that would be a, an interesting development. I think it'd be a good development. There's obviously a, a lot of expertise there with uh, with SRO. We'll just wait to see how that plays out. They'll certainly still be at least a 50% player. So is the expectation that GT racing in Australia will, well, be more independent and will will split from the AIG program. Yeah, well, it it'll split from the it'll split from the AIG program. Yeah, it remains to be seen exactly what it'll mean in a practical sense in terms of calendar and what have you, but possibly some closer integration with supercars once the ties are cut with ARG. We have seen GTs at supercars events this year, but uh at events not promoted by supercars itself, Wanneroo, uh, for example. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that develops as well. Speed Cafe again, breaking in the big news in Australian motorsport. As well as the Singapore Grand Prix, there was plenty of racing action around the world over the weekend. And with her usual roundup, here's Jack. <laughs> In Formula One, Max Verstappen and Red Bull returned to their winning form at the Japanese Grand Prix on Sunday, finishing 19 seconds ahead of McLaren's Lando Norris. But it was Australia's Oscar Piastri who won the day, claiming he's made an F1 podium in third as well as F1 Driver of the Day. The 22-year-old said it feels pretty special and he won't be forgetting this weekend anytime soon. Ducati factory rider Marco Pazeki put on a dominating performance at the MotoGP in India. He took pole and the race win while Jorge Martin won the sprint. Behind Bexer 
Kosecki was Martin and Yamaha's Fabio Cotteraro to round out the podium. Shane Van Gisbergen finished second in the daybreak rally in New Zealand alongside Glenn Weston as WRC2 ace Hayden Padden took the win. In the NASCAR Cup Series, William Byron defeated Ross Chaston and Bubba Wallace in Texas. The playoffs race is now at nine points between Byron and Denny Hamlin. And at Phillip Island, young gun Matt Hillier secured the Australian Formula Ford Series with a round to go after a clean sweep for Sonic Motor Racing Services. This is Jackie Shivey for Speed Cafe. Thanks, Jackie. Well, that's it for now. Back next week with the latest breaking news. In the meantime, for everything that's going on in motorsport around the world as it happens, go to speedcafe.com. I'll be back on Thursday with a special preview of the Bathurst 1000 featuring popular TV pit lane pundit Mark Larkham. Yes, the Lacometer is back. Larko's ratings just cannot be missed. I'm Mark Fogarty. Thanks for listening. You've just listened to a Speed Cafe Pod Hub production.